joined by none other than he who cannot be named no properly just... he is the ineffable oh, essence gosh. of a man whose stature mm. goes beyond comprehension the bible talks about a joy that cannot be understood i'm telling you about a man that cannot be understood because of the profundity the depth and the ability and acumen and geography. Wow. And culinary skills. Well, I of I mean the dream. He who cannot be deleted, defeated. Just tweet him. <whistles> Hudson, make some noise for my guy one time, listen, one time, one time. Listen, 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 brother. <laughs> listen, my brother. That would have been better if I had the Red Bull. Listen, my if brother. If I lose today, I just want y'all to know I was handicapped. First okay? of all, across from, the person that is sitting across from me this way here, I am talking about... <laughs> I want to receive <laughs> my praises with humility. This man right here. When I tell you the stuff that this man can just rattle off out of his mind extemporaneously, which means off the top, off the cuff, freestyling the things that he says. I'm talking about a man that as soon as he gets out of bed and he sits his feet on his uh, nice shaggy carpet in the morning, oh. the devil is shaking in his boots. As soon as this man's feet hit his plush carpet in the morning, all of hell, Satan hits a button in hell, and, and it's an alarm that goes out to all the demons that says, Kevin Elijah Burgess is now awake. <laughs> and demons get into cubbies. I lost today. Backpacks, <laughs> duffel bags. They literally get under uh, rocks and bury ash and sulfate on top of themselves. Wow. And say, this man has now awakened. Wow. I'm talking about Kevin, Elijah, smooth and groove. Do not throw hands with him in public. Wow. Because he will knock you out. Wow. Burgess, ladies and gentlemen. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Do not leave your Bible around him, true theologian for real. Ask all, every single Christian you know for real. Wow, all of them. But we have, hold on. Yes. Hold on, y'all. Now, let's make some space right let's now. Let's make some space Everybody right take now. a deep breath. Get lots of oxygen in your blood Everybody right now. Everybody just take a, through your nose, too, through your nose. You get the bottom of the lungs through your nose. Yes. You don't get it through your mouth. We have a man to my left. Oh, wow. First of all, this man is a lyricist. A lyricist. He's an activist. An activist. And he is a blue, blue belt, which means that he will put you in a Kimura triangle choke uh-huh whatever if, if you fight this man in the streets yes and you try to take it if he first of all you don't have to try to take it to the ground yes he can take you to the ground that's he can right do hands or ground hey free smoke free smoke he'll put you in a kimura and then snap all the tendons in your arm that's right immediately it'll be like bat, bat, bat. that's what it'll sound like <laughs> it'll sound like the fourth that's, July. What, I, that's what i'm saying so I was, don't mess with this guy right forearm here. right when i was trying to do my brazilian jiu-jitsu class i hit this man up and said what should i do he said and he here. gave me much wisdom 
And not only that, he is also an accomplished theologian. Yes. So after he breaks all the tendons in your arms, he will he, first of all, he will take out the text. He'll take out the text and then implant it in your cerebellum. <laughs> and he'll and he'll implant it in such a way that the amygdala in the brain that has all of the stress and anxiety factors yes. will shrink in. It will shrink in. <laughs> it will absolutely it will, reduce. It will in actually size. reduce in size. Yes. Which means that you will hmm. reduce in stress. Say that I mean. I am talking about. The man, the myth, the legend, the cigar aficionado. Yes. The Cuban stallion. Yes. I am talking about Alex Castaneda. Ah, make some noise for our guy one time. Make some noise for my guy one time. Thank you. you. Yes, yes, yes. Alex, Alex, how are you feeling, brother? I'm feeling great. Thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. Amen, bro. Honored to be here. Alex, we want you to give people a little bit more insight about who you are, okay. your passions, your heart desires. Mm-hmm. But before we do, I want to say three quick things, all right? Uh, one about you and two about our sponsors. The first thing is <laughs> my homie Alex is a thoroughbred Cuban, all right? <laughs> thoroughbred. Latin American representative. You understand me? So when he came to the podcast today, he brought a gift. This brother brought us a bottle of premium rum. Premium. Now, one of the things that I learned when I was in Colombia, which is obviously much different from Cuba, okay? We're just talking about how the diaspora is. Yeah, please. Okay, Uh just say that. But there are some common threads. (laughs) There's some common threads, all right? One of those common threads is water is for plants, okay? Uh And God has given us rum, for our souls, okay? <laughs> that's, a, that's a common thread running through the country. Yes. So uh, thank you so much for this, brother. Of course. Today is actually my anniversary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we will, in uh, moderation, enjoy a glass of this tonight. So thank you so much, brother. God bless you. Amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Guys. Two other things, all right? We pay some bills and also... <laughs> Talk about things we're excited about. We are proudly sponsored by our good friends, CSB. Uh, If you don't know about CSB, it is a contemporary version of the scripture Mm -hmm. uh, that is so incredibly readable. In fact, it is the version that we use at our church. It's kind of the official version that we recommend to Mm -hmm. folks in uh, coming into the community that are already into community. People are growing, maturing, all of that. We rely on this version. Yes. And uh, much love to the other versions as well. In fact, we also are big fans of the ESV. Yep. But we are very much grateful for our partnership with CSB. Check them out. God bless you. And we also want to give a shout out to uh, Samaritan Ministries, a Christian approach to healthcare that has served a lot of people in our community. And we want to recommend them to you as well. You can go to their website, SamaritanMinistries.org slash SouthsideRabbi for more information there. All right. We got some work to do, bro. We do. We do. I purposely wore a tighter shirt today because I need to be able to move. You feel me? <laughs> you don't go to the gym in, 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 in you know what I'm saying? In an, over, in an oversized shirt. You don't do that. Not, not, not if you want to move. If you want to move, you got to have, you got to be tight. Not if you want to throw those. Not if you want to throw those. You know what I'm saying? You got to be able to throw shoulder and pivot. Right? Can't do that if I'm wearing a tall Kanye West t-shirt. I can't do that if I'm wearing the Walking Dead Easy Season 3 collection. I can't do it. It's good for other things. It's not good for combat, brother. What is wrong with this? What, a, what, what is the use of me being in a in a in a, in a fifteen hundred dollar outfit if I'm on the ground knocked out? Oh. 
That's, I mean, I guess you can get a good look at my Somebody outfit. Somebody stop him! Okay, you can get a good look at my outfit. He has some good shoes on. Wow, yeah, yeah, he looked look real nice. He really things good. were pulled he together. He looked good going down. That's right. Going down? But he wasn't in the proper he just attire. Watched, that's it. That's all it is. I have come in the proper attire today, brother. Yes, sir. Because we want to talk about the incredibly important and detrimental and um, chaotic situation mm-hmm. that is our brothers and sisters in Cuba. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get into that, though, Alex, can you just talk us, talk to us a little bit about who you are and, and how your love for advocating for the issues mm-hmm. of our Cuban brothers and sisters kind of lands on you? Well, um, I started rapping full-time in 2017, but um, obviously, I've been Cuban all my life. Okay. Uh, I was born born in Miami, raised in Miami. I came to college um, to the Trinity area, uh, so I guess Tampa Tampa Bay area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've, you know, I have I wasn't really passionate about Cuba growing up. It was just a part of being a Cuban American growing up in a literally majority Cuban culture. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. I actually didn't meet a white person until I was like in middle school. Wow. Wow. I didn't know any Americans. And and if and if I did, I was confused because I, and I'm not saying this to be rude, but like uh, Miami white people are a little different, mm-hmm. you know. They got the shirt open and they're ordering in Spanish <laughs> and crap, you know. Like that's a little different. Oh yeah, Papi, listen, cocaine has they, changed Miami immensely. You're absolutely right. Uh, so it's a little different. The swagger was a little different. So the first time I went to Melrose, Florida, to go to a uh, Christian youth camp, and they're like, "Why do you have an accent?" I'm like, "Trust me, you're the one with the you accent. Have right? Why do you have an accent?" But yeah, so I was I was raised, but it was when my great grandfather passed away uh he left behind an autobiography and in reading that i actually read that um somebody in my family you know one of his uh, uncles f- actually fought in the independence war mm. in, the, in the in the late 19th century for cuba and uh it, it kind of sparked the passion in me and since then i've been dedicating pretty much everything i do to it mm-hmm. so obviously i write music um i advocate in other ways i try to use social media but the music has been the main way that i've tried to communicate these cuban stories yeah. Um, from the zoomed in level to more general things. Right. Um, so yeah, I guess that's a, so I'm also a counseling major, um, mm-hmm. married, happily married. Nice. Um, yes. so yeah, that's beautiful, man. Yes, amen. Um, me and Alex actually graduated from the same college Yep. yep. and, uh, and you're working on your masters masters now so i'm almost done i'll be done in next may. I'll be finished and I'll be, um, a counselor. So beautiful, beautiful. Let's get down to it. What is happening in Cuba right now? Uh, so if you've noticed, uh, you've, you've seen SOS Cuba has been the hashtag. Mm-hmm. And, and it's all in the streets. Oh, yes. Everywhere I yep. go. I love it. I've yeah. seen people. Super they're, they're, encouraging. They're, it's encouraging. I see even in my neighborhood, which is crazy uh, where I'm at. I'm majority white. you live white, in Trump's collar. backyard, don't right. you? But there's do. I mean, yeah. You live in Mar-a-Lago. I live in Mar-a-Lago. That's exactly where I live at. And Trump put up trees, so I can't see you the. Can't really see I the, can't, the I can't, golf course. Right. He doesn't want them to see our house. Even in Newport Ritchie, I've seen it, which is crazy. And yeah. Yeah. So the SOS thing was just. Uh, it, it started. It, it, there's a lot to be said here, but really, it started in uh, late 2018 when the uh, communist Cuban government did a constitutional referendum and basically passed this decree 349. And in this decree, they basically uh, attacked and came after the independent artist. Mm. And so what they were doing was they were trying to make it illegal to do independent artistry, you know, to have oh. music in your house. Wow. Because really? they couldn't control the right. means of production. They couldn't sure. control what you said. Sure. And what they were doing was they were they were targeting what they call counter-revolutionary music. Mm. And Diaz-Canel, which is the, uh, the current dictator, he actually said, you know, uh, these musical mediums that are really anti 
Cuban government, anti-revolution, we're going to close them down. Mm. You know, and he's like, and if they complain that we're censoring them, whatever. Like, that's what we do here. Right. Mm. That's literally what he said publicly. <laughs> and after that, there was a movement of young, um, mostly black Cuban rappers, um, the uh -huh. uh, San Isidro movement, mm -hmm. that started to put out more music and that started to... Um, be really targeted by the Cuban police. A lot of them were put in jail. They would do hunger strikes. And this was happening all leading up to um, when their leader, Luis Manuel Alcantara, was put in jail. And he's still in jail. He's, he's been suffering in, in a prison. Wow. But, um, and he was put in jail for demonstrations. These aren't wow. violent people. They're musicians. Right. And all of that happens just before the most popular... Cuban band out of Cuba, Gente de Zona, puts out a song called Patria y Vida, which mm -hmm. you've also seen in the, you've probably seen flags of that. And in doing so, they invited members of that movement to perform in the song. Oh. And so Gente de Zona previously was like, don't talk to me about politics, whatever, I don't care. Sure. That's right. the exile's problem. That's not our problem. Right. Sure. So they were always cowardly in their response to the Cuban struggle. And this was their first big statement. Mm. And that is what I think... All the stuff that was like the the the, the charcoal, uh -huh. that was like the lighter fluid that set it on fire. Ooh, and from there, it became an international movement to where now, all across the world, people are noticing, oh, and then also COVID plays into effect. They right. don't have the vaccine. They, they have, they say they have it, but they haven't been given to the people yet. Wow. And there was, COVID was running rampant. And so the people were going, the people of Cuba were going out into the streets mm -hmm. to protest. And in doing so, they were doing these huge rallies they were being beaten by police. They were, they were flip. They were also doing some police car flipping, right? And and all that. And so they were. It became this huge thing where now the national, international attention was on it. And so that's really, in a nutshell, what it is. And the reason it's significant is because of this. Mm. This is the largest uh, demonstration and um, island-wide protest in Cuban history, right? Like ever. Mm. Like the the closest thing was in ninety in the mid nineties yeah. in Havana. But that was just Havana. This is all over the island. Wow. Right. Um, so this is never, this is one of the things when you grow up as a Cuban in Miami, one of the things you always hear is the Cuban people, they've lost all of their desire for freedom. The, the government has just brainwashed them. They're all apathetic. But this is one of the few times where we're seeing, oh, that's no longer the story. The, the, the youth, the old have died off and the youth have risen mm -hmm. up and they're not apathetic. They, mm. they want changes like immediately. Right. Yeah. So that's in a nutshell. It was, it was funny that you said that because when I was, I was reading, they were talking about that, about how it's really been the youth that has sparked the movement because mm. the older generations have essentially said, this is life. Mm. Yep. This, is, this is life for us. This is the norm. And the, and the younger generation has said, no, this is, this can't be life for right. us. And now they've come forth and I'm in, 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 with all of the the protests and the activism and and it just it's amazing to see um and and also hearing about how it's been one of the the first time you've seen we've seen something like this what like in the last mid 90s was the last time we saw a protest um but this is the largest the largest you, you ever. never you never saw this type of uh, outpouring of people i mean unless there was a war like wide right yeah, like but yeah you you never seen just you know, protesters going out onto the streets to protest. Right. That wasn't right. the thing. People didn't want to talk because you're worrying about your family. Right. You're worrying about eating and surviving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, a lot of Cubans, it was like, there's three classes. There's the brainwashed. There's the people who are communists who totally sympathize with the government. And mm -hmm. that's, they, they, they still believe in the revolution, even though buildings are falling. Right. You have the activists, the, the, the dissidents. And then you have the people in the middle who are like, look, I got to worry about me. 
Right. Mm. I got to worry about selling trying to survive. Right. Just to trying eat. to survive. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I'm sure you guys have. I've been told this when all the George Floyd stuff was going on. I had a lot of conversations with uh, with black friends of mine. Actually, uh, Pastor Daryl was one of the best conversations I had. Mm. But there was another friend of mine named Antoine who said, "Alex, my grandmother um, is one of the most white supremacist people I know." Mm. Mm-hmm. Or like she said things to me that were that perpetuated white, right? Um, oh yeah, supremacist stereotypes uh-huh. because uh-huh. It, it it just infiltrated the conscience. Right. Sure, and he right. wasn't saying this demeaning. Is like she she even said it in love, but there was elements to it that were influenced by that. Right. And in the same way in Cuba, the the infiltration it pollutes and you you start to develop an apathy. Yeah. Right. Why would I try to do anything? I can't open a business. I can't own anything. And I don't have the energy to be an activist and go on hunger strikes and go to jail and do all this. So sure. You know what? I'm just gonna get my little pocket of family and make sure I sell enough bottle caps and drive enough taxis to, to survive, survive and do right. my thing. And not everybody in Cuba lives like that. There are people with land and who mm-hmm. have money, but the vast majority is, is you know, impoverished, I right. would say. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I hear it's hard, too, because I, I just know that the government has so many people listening. Oh, yeah. That, I, that, 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 that there's folks in neighborhoods that look like regular folks that are listening out. Informants. If people are mm. in, just informants, you yeah, know, we so call it's them, like we call them chihuahones. Uh huh. What so is it? The, the snitches. So, the, you, <laughs> so we, hey, we, we know that one. What are they? <laughs> everybody, everybody that we if we if we think you're a snitch, we'll joke with you and call mm-hmm. you. You're a chihuahon. Like yeah. we'll, we'll mess with them because what they're they're actually state sponsored and they they're they're. Their job is to do neighborhood vigilance, right? And they report back. And you can, um, you guys know Laz from uh, the Boys. He's he's a uh, he's Afro Cuban. Um, yes, Laz Alonso. Heavy, You're yeah. talking about Laz Alonso. Alonso. He's, he's been fast heavy, and furious heavy. and all that. Yeah, I he's, love him. He's been heavy in support of this of this cause. He mm-hmm. said he went to Cuba as a kid, and the the police pulled up on him because he was blowing um, bubbles with bubble gum. Mm. And then they they took the gum out of his mouth and were telling to the kids, "This is." This is imperialist gum. Like this is what? Yeah, they were like, this is uh, these are the luxuries of American cologne or imperialism or what have you. Um, and they were basically getting this kid in trouble for blowing bubbles because all the Cuban kids had never seen that. Uh, kind of, it was those big hubba bubba. Yeah, like, sure, yeah, 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 yeah. Big pieces, right? And they were, and he was saying that they were like, they looked at him like he was an alien, and he said jeeps pulled up, came out, and were like harassing him for it. And he was like a seven-year-old kid. One of the things that this revolution speaks to. Mm-hmm is the power of art. And I, I think you can, also, you can also forget that the scripture was given to us very artfully, mm-hmm. that, that God, in revealing himself, has implored narrative, parable, poetry, song, uh, in these very artistic ways, so that what he is saying lands on, on people, which goes along with the, the, the historical... Uh, pattern mm-hmm. for communists or um, dictatorships in general mm-hmm. to first target artists. Right. Like, if it, w- w- who we are going to jail and sci- silence first are those who are doing art because that, in a lot of ways, is the most profound reflection of what's happening in the society and it's also the most effective way to reach the heart of people. That's what we see happening over and over and over again. And it, it is a sort of grand affirmation that it, there's something almost divine about the way art comes in to move things across the finish line. Mm-hmm. Now, also think about the civil rights movement, which we largely think of in terms of Martin Luther King and folks around his day. I mean, Martin Luther King was still relatively young when he, when he died. Right. And he was very, very active as a young man. 
But as, as we think about those who were on the ground pushing things forward as young people, and mm-hmm. it reminded me of this um, college-age students. It reminded me of the quote from Tupac when he said that you right. rarely see a 30-year-old revolutionary. Right. That typically mm-hmm. life has this way of, yeah. of taming you, right. slowing you down, reminding you that really the ultimate sort of existence, your ultimate existence is not liberty, it's surviving. Right. And, 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 and I think that it is indeed the youth a lot of times that have this almost better sense of what life is, that it really is give me liberty or give me death. Right. Like give me that which defines human flourishing or I am not actually being human. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm just encouraged to hear this story again. And I hope that, that we find that encouraging folks that are, are younger, that you're not waiting to change the world. Right. That the world changes in in you, and it has always been, and it also speaks to the importance of art. Right. The importance of those with a microphone and or, or those who, with a paintbrush or whatever it is using their art for the the, the purpose of messages. And this is what we have found too in our space is that the average churchgoer they are more shaped by by who yeah. God is via artist than they are by their parents and their pastors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Chronicles of Narnia has influenced more people than John Calvin's Institutes of Religion. You know? <laughs> and, 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 and you can't say that it's a bad thing. It's, it's because our art is, is a way of, of transferring meaning in ways that are relatable. You know, sure. Not everybody can relate to whatever analytic process somebody does in giving a dissertation, but uh, painting a scenario that all of us know, yeah, mm-hmm. bro. real life or, or, or fantasy in some way, and weaving... Um, powerful themes into it yeah. is, is a way. It's almost like uh, chasing a, a drink. Right. It's easy to. It's easier to take, but you're still getting the effect of it. Right. Right. You're right. Still, right. You're mm. still passively receiving that knowledge, but you're. It's in a way that's palatable. And there's a direct correlation between that. Those artists dropping that song and this. Yeah. I mean, I. Mm-hmm. I that there is a direct. This the the greatest, biggest protest in history came after the biggest band actually finally spoke up for right, Cuba, right. no accident. Exactly. No accident. Yeah. It's like, let, yeah. let that be a word to artists, especially artists that, I mean, artists in general, Christian or not, bro, you have a weapon for change. Mm-hmm. Don't make light of that mug, right, man. Right. Use it for that purpose. Now, you're an artist, yep. but you're also, a, in addition to your artistry, you're very much informed by history. Can you help our audience understand how did Cuba get to this place? What is, help us understand Castro, help us understand the Cuban situation. <laughs> how much be time fun. you got? Yeah, no. Want us to open uh, the bottle now? Because <laughs> we can, brother. <laughs> um, all right. Here's something you have to know about Cuba. Cuba has been in a revolutionary state uh, since, since almost since its inception. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think the number is six years. There's never been a, a stable government longer than six years in Cuba until right. communism. Wow. Uh, so there was right. always, it was always in a state of of military coups and taking over and bureaucracy and and it was the Spanish that colonized. Yeah, Cuba? They, and so they 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 won their yes they won their independence from Spain. Gotcha. Right. Um, so what happens? Um, Fulgencio Batista is running Cuba just before Fidel Castro. Fulgencio Batista is you, what you would call an American-supported dictator mm-hmm. uh, running things in Cuba. So yeah. right. had a very brutal regime, um, you know, also arrested dissidents, also had—there was a lot of uh, wage inequality. You had 
Uh, the mafia was uh, heavily, heavily involved in Cuba. Meyer Lansky uh, was was running the Cuba operation with a, wow. another guy named Santo Traficante. Wow. Um, and they these guys were trying to turn Havana into Vegas, mm. and they were on their way to do it. I mean, they they were. Um, Meyer Lansky owned some of the hotels in Havana for that purpose. Now, all of this, both the the some of the injustices that are being witnessed by the growing kind of young intellectual uh, people in Cuba, right. they're witnessing a, a government that is really in line with the mafia. You know, um, Fulgencio Batista used to clear millions of dollars a week uh, in from from just mafia favors. Yeah, um, they're witnessing that. They're witnessing. A, a complete disparity of, of, of wealth. They're witnessing some, um, you know, bad treatment between landowners and, and people who work land and employer employee relationships, all the things that usually precipitate socialist mm -hmm. revolutions. Mm -hmm. Right. But the important thing to mention here is Fidel Castro is the star of the story because he's the one who's the only one who lasted. He's the one who assumed power, but right. the 26th of July movement, which was his movement, was not the only revolutionary group. Uh. You had other revolutionary groups, and all of them were anti-Batista. Mm -hmm. uh, you had the Revolutionary Directorate, which was tied for the largest group with Fidel, yeah. until the Revolutionary Directorate decides to just say, screw it, we're going to just attack the capital and kill Batista. Mm. Uh. They fail. They lose a huge percentage of their people, and now who takes, who comes up forward as the main revolutionary group that the people can now support? Long story short, Fidel Castro... And Che Guevara and his group of militiamen, they're, they're residing in the Sierra Maestra in the woods. Mm -hmm. And this is the most important thing. Fidel Castro did not conquer in military fashion Batista's government. Huh. What happened was he utilized radio to convince Batista and his government that they had more men than they did. Mm. Wow. And he invited... Deception. Yes. And yes. he invited New York Times columnists wow. to the Sierra... To give them an inside look, and he would have his 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 guys, his guerrillas, walking in circles around the camp so that it looked like they had like hella numbers. Wow, so some he, art of war type stuff. Yes, yeah, so Sun Hubert Matthews stuff. is the New York Times columnist that went, and, and mm -hmm. you know he became really close to Fidel. And I don't I mean I don't like him, but he <laughs> you know he he was he was tight with him. But it was all propaganda. The goal was to push the idea that. Cuba's people, the 26th of July movement, they were winning. They were conquering these, these places. And he was saying all this through radio. Right. Meanwhile, they're in the Sierra. They're in the woods. Mm. They're, they're 300 deep, maybe. Wow. You know, man. against an entire army. Uh, Batista took the bait, panicked, left in January 1st, 1959, and Fidel assumed power. Wow. He didn't assume presidency. He put a guy, Man Manuel Urrutia, is the name of the guy. He put him as the sitting president, and he was just in charge of something else. I forget what. Uh, but really, Fidel was running the show. Uh, and he he tried to put in moderates and people to kind of make uh, to kind of make it look like his movement wasn't uh, what it was because he was suspected to be a communist from the beginning. Sure, but he actively denied it. Oh. So he would when when he came and, and did the um, the photo the photo op the famous photo photo op with Malcolm X. Yes, he did a press tour and he was asked outright if he was a communist and he says I am not a communist. <laughs> he's, mm. like, <laughs> he's like I am not a communist. This is not a communist movement. He said this movement is green like the palm tree. Hmm. And what what the the joke is that it's more like green like a watermelon, green the outside and red on the inside. Right, wow. right. And um, but in 1961, he converts the state in a famous speech into an official Marxist-Leninist state. Uh, proceeds to expel 
um, a large a large quantity of priests from the island mm. opens a concentration camp called the UMAP, where he puts homosexuals and Christians and uh, Catholics and priests and different people who would be considered enemies of conscious mm. of mm. the new revolutionary conscious. Mm. Uh, and they were doing there was a forced labor camp. Um, and so begins the story of a repressive totalitarian dictatorship. Wow. And every every kind of a decade after that, you had your big movements. You had in the 70s, you had your Operation Mongoose funded by the Kennedys, where these were anti-Castro, some of them terrorist organizations who mm -hmm. were planting bombs and trying to go back and take the land. In the 60s, you had the Bay of Pigs. Bay of, mm -hmm. In the 80s, you had the Mariel. Mm. In the 90s, you had the large group of rafters who left. In the early 2000s, you had the the Black Spring in Cuba with Oswaldo Paya, where they had the, uh, where the ladies in white were born, the wives of these huge group of men who were imprisoned for their uh, political ideals, uh, decided to form an activist group called the Ladies in White uh, in the 2010s. And now what we're seeing is this is the age of, before it was like you had political, mm -hmm. you had um, military, you had um, professional di dissidency. Now it's artistic dissidency. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now it's the young Cuban hip hop artist who, mm. who goes home to nothing every day and he's the one at the forefront. Uh, and so you have a long history of, and, and really what, what could be said is history is nuanced. I was watching your, the, the pod you guys put out and uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Dr. Cartagena, mm -hmm. he was saying es complicado. He was talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. Uh, history being complicated and he's right. Uh, but the one thing that isn't complicated about history all throughout from 1956 to, um, to now is the character of Fidel Castro. Mm. That's not complicated. You walk wow. away from history, you might have complex views. A lot of people think it's very simple. America, good. Everybody else, bad. No, you're going to find America had a very oppressive hand in a lot of things. You're right. going to sure. find their Especially involvement. Cuba. Yeah, you're <laughs> going to find their involvement in Cuba has not been ideal and many right. times has been malicious. However, you will not walk away with the redemptive view of Fidel. And that's because since he took power... His only goal was to maintain power, whether that was by killing his own friends mm. or by making it illegal to to uh, protest in any way, shape, or form. Mm. So that's a, I guess, a super summary. That's beautiful. That though, was man. really good. That man. helps us feel it. Yeah. The American support of the president before Castro's regime took mm -hmm. over, he was supported because he was against communism. I'm assuming. It, it wasn't, you know, it's funny because Batista actually had a stint with communists because really? Batista was an opportunist. I mean, mm. these these dictators, uh, they, they're autocrat. They want uh, whatever's going to benefit them. If they, have right. to, if they have to get in bed with the mafia, as apparently he right. would, he'll do anything. Uh, and there was a period of time there where he aligned himself with communists because he his popularity was waning. And this was in the, I believe, the early 50s or late 40s when this happened. Mm -hmm. But really the relationship between... Um, America and Cuba during that time, it had a lot to do with, I mean, Cuba was a very, very valuable place. Yeah, 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 yeah. A huge producer of sugar, yep. yeah. tobacco, tobacco, and rum. Yep. Um, I mean, uh, and, 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 and obviously a huge vacation spot for American bureaucrats. Yeah, for uh, sure. You know, these private parties put on by the mafia, many, many a American congressman would, would join. And these, uh, these were parties that were riddled with all sorts of debauchery. What you would see in a Goodfellas or a, mm -hmm. sure. or a Sopranos, right. so to speak. You right. know, the, the, the relationship was one of bureaucratic favors. And I think, I don't think there was, you know, I, yeah, I think they, they had political alignment with him, but I mean, they didn't have it all the way up to Fidel taking sure, power. Sure, sure, sure. Right before they instituted a, a military arms embargo on Batista because his regime was getting out of control. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, he was an oppressive right. know, dictator and America wanted to distance themselves from that 
and at the same time prepare because they knew somebody else was taking over and they wanted to have an advantageous negotiating position like hey you know okay we, we weren't with this guy to the end we we kind of you know <laughs> yeah the right. government's going to do that because they're looking at castro and castro in the u.s had this unspoken agreement like we're going to work together right mm. and then castro said no that's I'm okay. going to nationalize your oil refineries. I'm going to take I'm going to take all these businesses from people and expel these business owners. Um, and then the U.S. is like, all right, embargo. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. exactly how it happened. Speaking of embargo. <laughs> you have a number of folks that would say the reason that this is all happening is because of the embargo. Yes. The embargo has done all of this. What would you say to that? Because you also have folks like. I'm rolling my eyes super heavy. Black Lives Matter, their comment about, about Cuba, it was, which was trash. I'm, it was trash. It was trash. La basura. And I think that we, I, I, yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. It was basura. But I think that, I'm going to ask that, but I think that it, it goes into a bigger conversation, though, uh, uh, with, it goes into a bigger conversation of black revolutionaries hmm. having this, we, 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 we talked about Fidel Castro meeting Malcolm X in the photo op. Yeah, it's like kind of romance. We talk, we talk about how there, there were a lot of uh, black revolutionaries at the time that were cheering that on because sure. it seemed like Fidel was kind of standing up for, sure. uh, standing against what was happening with African-Americans here, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then because of, and it seems like BLM is in the same vein sure. when they said what they said about Cuba, right? Kind of in the same vein that these black revolutionaries were. Some of these black revolutionaries were in the 60s that 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 were praising uh, someone like Castro. Oh man, yeah. Castro. And it's unheard of for a foreign uh, 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 power like Castro to come and lodge in Harlem. They don't do that. Mm. But, uh, but of course, Castro knew what the heck he was doing yeah. and why he was doing Smart it. Smart dude. Right. And so... And, you, and I mean to that ahead. as well, just uh, 15 seconds. No, go ahead. Similar, not not one-to-one, -one, but a similar kind of vibe was with Noriega in Panama. Ah, Because he yes. was that kind of guy, too. Yes. That he was the guy of the people. Mm -hmm. That he was written, especially the, the you know, over 50% of all Panamanians are, are of direct slave descent. Right, mm. right. And and, right. and here you got a guy that comes into power that says, I, I see those that are forgotten. Mm. So that would ring a bell with us too. Right. 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 Go ahead, Means. Right. Fine. No, but I was, for those who would say that this is because of the embargo and then also for Black Lives Matter's comment, what do you say to that? Here's what I would say. When you say this is because of the embargo, what do you mean? Do you mean the natural effects of an embargo or because of the embargo? Well, that's that's obvious. Or do you mean that Cuba's entire situation, uh, their poverty, their uh, disparities in wealth, their lack of um, of enterprise, that can't be because of the embargo because Cubans are not restricted. The embargo does not restrict the U.S. from sending medicine or food. So mm -hmm. You can't blame hunger in the embargo. Right. And in fact, the U.S. in 2019 sent, I think, something like 500,000 chickens to Cuba. Mm. You know, they, 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 this idea were that- Were they roasted already? <laughs> no, 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 no. They were, That'd be they, crazy. They, <laughs> they were garlic parm. No, they, <laughs> they, they, they when, you, when you look at Fidel Castro dying with a $900 million net worth on the Forbes list, uh, don't talk to me about an embargo mm. because an embargo would infect and affect the whole country, but the tourist sites in Cuba mm -hmm. are perfectly funded. They have new buildings and new air conditioning and brand new state-of-the-art equipment and the hospitals too. And that's the hospitals that all these people from other countries go to and say, wow, you know, and they, they have this, people have a fascination with other people's poverty, especially Americans. Right. They love to uh, glorify scarcity, mm. um, you know, they, they, because they don't need to live in it. 
they can vacation in scarcity, but when you have to live in scarcity, it's not as fun and it's not as aesthetically pleasing and it's not as Instagrammable. Right. Um, the, the embargo argument is a little is a little outplayed. Here's what I think the embargo is has served to do. All the embargo has done, this is my opinion, is mask the true culprit of Cuba's issue because wow. all, all Fidel had to do was say, it's the embargo's fault. And his people believed him. And here's another interesting thing. Lazalonso wow. no, made this point. In Cuba, when you, everything is, is state run and it's a police state. Mm -hmm. When you send money to Cuba, they skim off the top. In fact, Cubans can't use the U.S. dollar. They have to convert it to a less valuable mm. Cuban peso. Which right? is now a big issue, too. Yeah, where does all the money go? When Fidel Castro took Meyer Lansky's hotel and nationalized it, all whatever he had, like, you know, Meyer Lansky, mafioso, head of the mob, he died with, like, 40 grand in his bank. Really? All of his fortune was in Cuba. He lost all of his money. Where did it go? Oh, what a point. You know, yeah. where, where did that money, where did all those yeah, assets right. go? It became state-owned. Well, who owns the state? Wow. Fidel right. Castro. Fidel Castro kicked the mafia out, but he didn't kick them out. He replaced them. The Cuban mm. government became the biggest mafia and controller of everything that moves. But here's the ironic part. Black Lives Matter wants to defund the police in America, but mm -hmm. fund the police in Cuba. Oh. <laughs> right. They, right. They want to lift the embargo, which, yes, you might have all yeah, ships sure. rising with the tide. But guess what? What you would be doing is giving more money to a police state. Right. That's, a whole, that's against your whole thing. Right. right. What are you doing? Like, exactly. They're, they're not able to notice that. And the... I want to make one comment on the, the, what you were saying about mm -hmm. black revolutionaries mm -hmm. and Cuba. They've kind of been in a tryst with... I'm going to tell you why. It's, it's the Nelson Mandela thing, and it's also Fidel Castro's uh, participation in Angola in mm -hmm. ending apartheid mm -hmm. with Nelson Mandela. Right. He sent Cuban troops in, you know, to help end apartheid in Angola. Okay, so that that looks very good. If you're looking at face, just fa a face, a fact sheet. I'm a dictator, and I want to make it look good on the surface. Yeah, absolutely, it looks phenomenal. But nobody talks about his participation in Ethiopia with the manufactured famine with Mengistu that killed millions of Ethiopians. Mm, wow. Nobody talks about him sitting with Mengistu next to him at a huge rally, and they're buddies. And this is a guy who was a tyrant. Right. Nobody talks about that. And nobody talks about the fact that a lot of those uh, revolutionaries who went to Angola and died were black. Mm. Mm, you know? Mm, mm. I mean, racism is a big thing in Cuba. It's deeply rooted. Right. It's more cultural now, similar to America. You have I me, mean, obviously, America has a systemic, but, um, you know, in America, slavery might be outlawed, but it's infected the cultural. It's like in the right. cracks. Right. Um, but yeah, what, what I would say is Fidel Castro was, like I said in the beginning, he wore green fatigues. Uh, but you will never find anything about him being in any war mm. or on the front line of any. He was a strategist. Yeah. He was somebody who knew how to use media to convince everybody. He would just boldface lie about certain things. And people would believe him against data because of his convincing way of framing it, mm -hmm. of how he would use the media. He has the news in Cuba is state owned. So right. You own every means of communication and information. Right. Wow. right. Yeah. That's why Black Lives Matter, people like that. If you know it, it's empiricism, we think that going to source material is, and we think this accurately. Going to source material is the best way to know something. You were talking about CRT, people mm -hmm. who don't read the source material. Right. They have all these opinions about CRT, and they don't read source material. Why sure. don't you read the people who invented it? Right. Sure. But the source material in Cuba is filtered. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's like, not really the source. It's yeah. not. The show me a study. Right. You want me to show you a study funded in Cuba that demeans <laughs> the Cuban government? Sure. Right. Like, sure. Right. That, doesn't, that doesn't compute. I mean, that, that doesn't make any sense. So I would say it's born of ignorance. There's truth mixed into it. The mm -hmm. embargo has not had a, it clearly hasn't worked. Right. You know, Cuba, I mean, Fidel kind of 
hunkered down. He hunkered down and yeah. said, "You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go down, but you're gonna go down too. Right? Your reputation is gonna go down, but I don't care about my people going down because guess what? I got money in the bank. Wow! I can go to Cayo Piedra, which is my private island, no Cubans allowed on, on my yachts, and invite famous American actors and politicians, and I can have my lobster and my Coca Cola and my steak." And my cheese Look is at the time of my Rolex, wines. right? Absolutely. I could do all that. Cuban people can't, but you're not hurting me. Mm. Yeah. And it feels like all of that is a page out of the, out of the dictator's playbook, sure. right? Say that. Um, uh, I'm wearing the fatigues, letting the, making the people know that, yeah, uh, or trying to convince the people that I'm a strong man and that I'm a fighter when I'm not. Um, I'm also in control of all, because it, it's funny what you said about wow. the, the, uh, the, the tourist attractions in Cuba, right? Because what it, what it seems to me is that we have been shown two different Cubas, mm. right? The Cuba that we are shown is this amazing, quaint place that has all of these old school cars. Mm -hmm. All of that stuff is the stuff that gets filtered to us. Right. But then there's another Cuba that <laughs> that because because even when I think about Cuba, like I think about when you have folks that say, man, when you go, there's the hotels that Cubans cannot stay in. Oh, yeah. It's Air conditioning. You know, all, all of the amenities that you need to be comfortable. My grandma went back to Cuba. Um, she's 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 passed. But when, mm -hmm. when she went back to Cuba, she she tried to take her family to one of the hotels because that's something you do when you have family in Cuba. You want right. to take them to see things they can't see. And she had her American money. And they said, okay, yeah, it, it's funny that she tried to take him to a restaurant and they're like, you can come in, but they can't. Hold up. And she was like, you're telling me, I was born here, I was raised here, I just I just left like two years ago. You're telling me I I can come in because I'm an American mm -hmm. right. now, but they can't. He's like, yeah, he's like, fine, I'll take this money somewhere else. But yeah, that's how it is. Yeah, wild, and, and, and so when we go, we have that experience. Yeah. We leave thinking, man, Cuba is... Man, that hotel Ooh, was nice. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And, we, and, 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 and we don't understand that we are getting a manufactured experience yes, 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 yes. via the state right sure. they're giving and they're hiding sure what is really good so it's like you it's like somebody coming over your house and you th throw everything in the closet that's right that's right and yes. then your house looks clean <laughs> yeah. but you what you did is you just kind of threw everything absolutely right and and so like which is what hitler did uh during the olympics right, exactly <laughs> that's in what Germany. dictators do that's what they do that's what dictators yes. do right and, it, and and i was talking to alex also off camera about how i was asking him is it true that cuba just got like wide band internet access like five years ago. If you can control the information, mm -hmm. keep information from going out yeah. and, and coming in, yeah. then you can control the people and then you mm -hmm. can control the narrative of what things look like. Right, right, right. And 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 it makes and, and, and it makes sense that as the protests have happened, the Cuban government has shut off the internet. Mm. Yep. Right. Um, and so it if you control information, you control the freaking people, man. Yeah. This isn't yeah. statewide internet. This is internet in, in parks. You have to pay to get in, and you, you're kind of sitting there, and a lot of Cuban YouTubers, they'll film all day, mm -hmm. and then they'll go at like 3 a.m. when there's less people so that the, the bandwidth is better, and right. they'll upload all their stuff at the Wi-Fi park. So you don't have... It's not like people it's have routers like in their right. homes like that. Wow. And who has access to the plug? <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Right. Who can just say, no more? Right. That, that, that's, that's what it is to live in a dictatorship. And... You know, the, the, the misconceptions run all throughout and Black Lives Matter. I think what, what really is behind a lot of that misconception is a misconception about how the revolution happened and why it happened. See, they mm. think that Fidel Castro drove out all of these kind of neo-slave owner type um, bureaucratic business people. Right. Gave Cuba to the, the poor and the oppressed. Right. And, and that was that was the transaction. Yeah. Uh, but that is rooted in a fundamental misconception mm. about what happened, of who suffered. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Like, you look at someone like Emelina Nunez. Yeah. 
Emelina. Who you did a project on. You did yeah, a project my, my on. Last, my last album was about Emelina's story, the story of Emelina. Emelina, I'm going to say this really quick. There's yes. something called the Agrarian Reform Law. This happened in 61. This is when Fidel Castro and his, well, this is their, their official reform of land ownership, mm-hmm. where you cannot own land after a certain amount of time. You have to, the rest of it belongs to its workers. And so the workers are now owners of this land. Mm. So, sounds like uh, what Marx would want. Correct. Exactly. They, yeah. The property is doesn't exist. Right. You know, sure. The means of production and all of that is starting to go back 100%. to the people. 100%. Right. So that's purely Marxist. This, right. is in, this is in 61, shortly after the... Actually, it started in 60. So people were like, wait a minute. This looks familiar. <laughs> but the... Um, this was targeting landowners, right? Mm-hmm. And and people often assume, well, yeah, the landowners were upset because their excess was being taken away mm-hmm. and the the, the power was given to the people. Yeah, the employees that they abused, and don't get me wrong, many of them that probably were upset for that reason. There's probably a lot of pieces of crap that, you know, resided in those positions. Here's the thing, though. Emelina, her family, lived on the property. Mm. They didn't own the land. The government came with their giant pamphlet and said, here is the piece of the pie you're entitled to and her father said no i i don't feel comfortable taking what doesn't belong to me when i've lived on this land perfectly comfortably i mean i have a house right i can feed my family no i i reject your offer to take from this owner yeah and that is what put him on their radar huh that is when they started to spy on him and harass him and then in response to that florencio and melina's dad joins an anti-castro group right because his his kind of political confusion becomes now you know, imbued with like, wait a minute, this is unjust. What you're right. doing to me? You're harassing me because I turned down an offer. And Emelina was also offered shortly after or before. They wanted Emelina because she was a child prodigy with writing. Right. Okay. She was a poet. When from the age of seven, she would write poetry that they genuinely did not believe a seven-year-old could write. Uh. The Cuban government came with their big pamphlet and said, "We want you to be at the front of our children's revolutionary movement." And we want you to travel with us throughout the island, mm-hmm. wear the military outfit, and be the camp, the the the, the poster face, child, literally poster child <laughs> of <Literally>. our movement, <laughs> right? Yeah. And Emelina, at the age of this was probably she must have been fourteen or fifteen, uh, said no. Wow. But why did she say no? Did she have a complex understanding of the socio political situation in Cuba? No. She was loyal to her father, mm-hmm. and that that loyalty, that 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 relationship within a family, is the exact thing that Fidel Castro wanted to eliminate from Cuba. And it's why at the age of 15, you're ordered to do mandatory military time. In Cuba, in Cuba, really? if you, if you, when you're of age, you're taken out of your home and you're now a part of the military. What's the best way to, it's to like brainwash. really, to brainwash someone through education or through the military? How many American veterans do you know? Like how many people in the army right now do you know are like super neo-Nazi or neoliberal, like, you know, socialists, like... It's hey, rare. It, it's, it, chances are they're more patriotic, right? right sure, sure. Yeah, right. So how are you going to get an entire youth to be patriotic about the revolution? Put them in the army. Yeah, make, wow. them, fight, make them fight for it. Yeah, so she said no to that. And what happens? Her father, she becomes a part of her father's group. Her father didn't want her to be a part of it, but she had, she, she was not going to be denied. Right. She was very loyal to her dad and she wanted to go wherever her dad went. She had this very uncanny loyalty to him. And when they started arresting all the people in his group, they were next. And, and I say this in the album, mm-hmm. but the reason I want to say this is because they put, Flor- they arrested Florencio and Emelina on the same day. Bob, and they took them to the same prison, but they separated them. They put Emelina in solitary. Um, and they were interrogating her throughout a couple of hours and days 
uh, telling her that they were beating her dad, that her dad had already betrayed her, that her dad had told everything, and she didn't believe him. Mm. They were trying to get information because uh, her dad was a captain in this group. And mm. what they do to captains in Cuba of anti-Castro groups is they shoot them. What? El Paredón is what it's called. It's the firing squad wall. Wow. Um, still to this day, probably drenched with blood. Um, and people in the prisons, like common prisoners or political prisoners, can remember hearing from the wall. It was famous. They could hear things like, uh, long live a free Cuba. Long live Christ the King. Bah! Right before the wow. shots would, would blast. And, and yeah, and th this is what they'd hear. They, were, they wanted to give Florencio the wall. They wanted to shoot him because they had an idea that he was involved in this group. But Emelina, at 15 years old, before she was arrested, she saw the Jeeps circling her neighborhood. She went and found all those papers that indicated her dad as captain and burned them and then buried the ashes. Mm. So they could never find anything to tie back to her dad to, to execute him. The only way they could do it is if they got it out of her and they, right. never, they never could. And because of that... They decided, and this is the difficult part of the story, uh -huh. they decided that they were going to get a group of five guards and just they were going to rape her. Mm. And so they, they brought her out of her cell to take her to the interrogation room. They made another turn and they put her in a room and she said they locked her in the room and she saw like five kind of masked figures. And she said, that was the night I lost my innocence. Mm. And after that, she still said nothing. Mm. Wow. And her dad lived and her dad... They, they, they eventually were able to come to the state. She did five years in a Cuban prison. Uh, and her husband, Angel Pardo, the first uh -huh. album I did was about him. It's funny wow. how, how, it's, ah. how it's book ended. He did 24 years, 19 of them in underwear because he didn't want to accept the uh, common prisoner clothes. Wow. They had regular clothes for common prisoners right. and political prisoner clothes. And one of the things the Cuban uh, government wanted to do was they wanted to rehabilitate the political prisoners into thinking of themselves as criminals. So they'd have them dress in blue, which was everybody else's clothes. But Angel's group, Emelina's husband, right. they weren't married at the time. They didn't even know each other. He was a part of a group called Los Plantados. Mm -hmm. And this group said, screw you. We'll go naked before <laughs> we put your clothes on. Right, right. And so he spent 19 years in his underwear. Wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah these, were, these were hard. Um, I'm not going to say the word, but these were hard. <laughs> Um, yeah, what what what, uh, what Sam Jackson what Sam Jackson might say in a movie? Yes, these, <laughs> that's these what were, they say the, were. These were the hardest of the hardest. And Emelina's story is tragic because. This wasn't a bureaucratic rich. This was literally the people who lived on the land. And this was a young girl. She was 15 when they, when they did that. To right. Her. Um, so that, that, that's why powerful, I, I hear things like what Black Lives Matter says. And I'm like, you don't know. You haven't looked into the eyes mm -hmm. of the people who suffered. Right. Sure. You, you've, it's filtered through all sorts of whatever you listen to. But I've looked at people directly in their eye. And Melina's still with us. And so is right. Angel. And I talked to them. And I've heard it directly in the timber of their voice. Yeah. I can hear their struggle. You don't know anything to right. yeah. talk to them. Right. Yeah. You know? Right. Absolutely. No, that's powerful, man. Yeah. That's powerful. Very powerful. And I think it also just speaks to something that if all people should know, Black Black Lives Matter should know, <laughs> is that the voice of the that's people. That's the I, that's the that's just what's bad. Bro, the Sorry. voice of the people should have a tremendous influence on what it is we should do. Like wisdom is is judged by her children, bro. Right. Look at what has come of this uh th this this regime bro right. look at what people are fighting for folks I'm, I'm 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 thinking of of campos in puerto rico mm -hmm. uh individuals that are literally suffering and being tortured or mandela in south south africa you have these people that are or, or gandhi so on and so forth like we will take the wounds of the government 
on our bodies to show the world right. that this is what's happening here. Right. And you can look past all of that and say, you know what they really need? There's another dose of Marxism because right. that right there <laughs> will take them. You just to give another shot and take them to the top. <laughs> they need the second shot, you know. They right, need that right, right. Shot. Another shot that to take them. That's what really get them over the apex. That, that's the really, yeah. yeah, but yeah. This ignorance has has been around uh, since the beginning. It's it's always been a part of the political um, gamesmanship of, out of Cuba, and they've always. Uh, tried to, you know, accuse everybody of being in the CIA if they were against them or right. what have you. It's it's popular. And one thing, you said it earlier, uh, I've told people directly, uh, people who debated me on Cuba, I said, do you want to know something interesting? Everything you're telling me, do, do you know whose arguments you're giving me? Mm. The exact thing the Cuban government tells its people. You yeah. realize there's no scholar saying what you're saying. You're telling me the exact thing the Cuban government scripts for their media to yeah, say. Sure. So is it possible that maybe you're influenced by that? Right. Yeah. And American media is heavily influenced by Fidel because remember he had ties with New York Times. Right, right. So this the the propaganda around him and presenting him as a hero and you'd be interested in this, a messianic figure. Huh. <laughs> Cuba's messianic history is huge, not enough to get into, but long story short, Cubans throughout history have always looked for a messianic figure and they found it in Jose Marti, they found it in Antonio Maceo, they found it in Fidel Castro. Always imbuing everything, all of their hopes and dreams into a In person. person. Right. The um, Christological implications of that are, uh, is what is what amazes me. It's almost like Cuba's crying out for a savior, and indeed they are. Uh, and instead of looking to Christ, I think they've often looked toward people, um, and then they radicalized their their agreement with them. Right. Kind of like what we saw a little bit maybe with Trump. Well, yeah. I was just gonna it ask. Looked, it becomes it becomes <laughs> religious. It's so funny because. Our lack of knowledge about Cuba, hmm. our ignorance of Cuba is the direct result of what they wanted, the, the, what the regime wanted. That's what I was going to say is that, like, I even think I, I have more knowledge about Puerto Rico. Yeah. Dominican Republic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, uh, e even like Panama. Sure, sure, than sure. Cu mm. Then than Colombia. Cuba, right? Colombia. Yeah. Because, though, that this is exactly how Fidel and other dictators wanted it to be. We, it, it is literally the result of their work. Facts. And when you can take away the Cuban people's ability to actually broadcast to the world, yes, and then information getting in, yes. also, yes, that it what it does, and, and it's been like this from the beginning. Yeah. It, this is why it's even right now it's just blowing my mind because it's I, I feel like it's even sometimes unlike what you would even see with the North Korea. I mean, there's the, like, even, like, from the very inception of how they were, of how the, the regime came to power and sure. what they started to do. Sure. Now we are experiencing the results of it, and, a, and a, the results are Americans are ignorant about uh, Cuban history yeah. and about what is really happening in Cuba. Sure. And it's and it's hard for them to get information unless they are listening to folks outside. Yes. Of, of, I mean, because we can't really hear from people inside of yeah. Cuba because it's been censored and shut mm. down. And so, I mean, now yes. we see some of the social media stuff, sure, but sure. what we really hear about what I've always heard, the truth that, that I've always heard about Cuba has come from folks that have gotten out. Yes, yes, yes. And then been able to tell us here, yeah. like, what is really going on. Yeah. And then what we kind of do is we kind of just... Like oh whatever you know they're you know mm, yes. it's, it's not it's not really that important right um, because we are so taken by this mm. view of Cuba that has been given to us yes. that is actually not true or accurate to what is really at, at all there, yes. at all that's powerful. We, we 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 are used to having like the postcard view of Cuba yes. right and oh I want to go I want to go to Havana I want to you know no, no, and no. we but we don't know what is really happening yeah. but I'm I'm thinking about how it is it really is 
the result of a dictator and of dictators putting forth their plan in an effective way, so effective. Yes, artfully. We, artfully. Yes. Skillfully. Skillfully. That in, in, in such a way, I mean, brilliantly, in a, in a very yes. sense, brilliantly, Absolutely. in a genius way. Yeah. And it's very diabolical when you think about it because to use that kind of genius to oppress a people it, 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 and then to keep other people really ignorant about what is happening. Yeah. And, 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 and so that to me is, a, is crazy. And then also when we have folks here in America, our, our Cuban brothers and sisters telling us about what is really happening, America doesn't seem to take it seriously. And I think part of why we don't <laughs> take it serious, Meansy, is because of the way we deal with foreigners in general, bro. Right. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that we've almost been cultured. Yeah. I don't want to think deeply. <laughs> I already got a lot going on. I mean, and I taught at the Gospel Coalition. And mm -hmm. by the way, we are big fans of the Gospel Coalition. Our pastor is on, sits on the board. Well, I am a big fan of the Gospel Coalition. Yeah. I'm not sure what it means. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I love like, this I'm, stuff. I'm like this, but I, I think, I'm just being honest, I think that it's okay for you to talk about this because what the stuff that Kevin DeYoung has been has said has been public. People have publicly sure. pushed back against the article that he just wrote about race. I mean, it sure. should be said. Sure, sure, sure. It should be said. Hmm. So this was about two years ago, I think. The Gospel Maybe Coalition. Two or three years two ago. Two or three years ago, the Gospel Coalition asked Amin and I to uh, do a class on um, engaging urban environments with the gospel or something like that. Mm -hmm. I, I can't remember exactly mm -hmm. what it was. But anyways, the class was actually fantastic. We loved it. Great uh, back and forth with with the uh, audience and stuff like that. We really enjoyed ourselves. Um, but before we went to the main session, we went to this a panel. Uh, a panel discussion that was being uh, moderated by our pastor. So we went in support mm. of, of, of Pastor Daryl. And uh, on the panel, um, my, my homie Jason Cook was up there, but then also Kevin DeYoung and, and several other people were on the panel. And, um, and the question was asked to Kevin, one of the attempts from the Trump administration, administration is to uh, get rid of DACA, all right? So the, the DACA is this program put in place by the Obama administration that protects children mm -hmm. who came to the nation as children. So immigrant children that came to the, to the nation as children. It was about, it's about 800,000 of them in our country. They do not know anything other than America. Right. Most, a lot of them don't, don't speak the, the mm -hmm. native tongue. Mm -hmm. They are Americans. And we have DACA recipients in our church. We have so the DACA, question, DACA recipients in our church and DACA recipient family members right. that were in the that room. That were in the room. They were right. in the room. So right? this question was So this will give important. you the context. It's a very, yeah. very important question. Right. And uh, the question was asked to Kevin. And uh, again, much respect to Dr. Young. What do you say about what the government is trying to do mm -hmm. to get rid of this program right. that would greatly expose, I mean, to all kinds of injustice, right. all kinds of ungodliness, it just would be detrimental, to say the least, for these children in our country? And one of Kevin's response, he gave two responses that I found most challenging, put it like that. Yeah. The, what, one response was, you know, I got people in my church that are trying to figure out how to get the kids to soccer and then get the laundry done right. and yep. then, you know, got kids, you know, they're, they're trying to get the, you know, the kids to school on time and they've got to deal with homework and blah, 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 blah. They, they're good people. They love God. They love Jesus, you know, and, and, and 
what does it mean for them to also take on all these other issues? Oh, no, you did. And, and then he started, gave this analogy about him being in the airport and somebody coming up to him and saying, hey, my wife is about to die of, she has some kind of de detrimental situation. And, you know, I mean, I mean, I can pray for you. I love you. But what really can I do? He almost said, and Jason alluded to it, my, my homie Jason Cook that was up there. He almost said, who is my neighbor actually? That, that, that was basically what right. his response was. The second thing he said was that he didn't see anything evil about DACA going away. He basically he didn't see it as something that was neither good or bad. Just kind of, you know, the government, we should submit to them, uh, so on and so forth. Now, hmm. mind you, the Supreme Court, which is not a gathering of pastors <laughs> and ethicists, all right? Mm -hmm. The Supreme Court said, if you get rid of DACA, it's illegal and immoral. <laughs> right. That's what they came later. That's what the, the, the Supreme Court later yeah. came out. Legal and, scholars. And said, the, yeah, they say, there you go. All right. <laughs> what do they know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like, yo, no, this would be wrong if we did this. Right. And what struck me about what Kevin said, whether it is in him or not, that's not for me to judge. I'm just going to say that it's in our country that we often look at the conditions of those who are on the outside coming in, we, we think about it in very shallow ways and sometimes, more times than not, hostile ways mm -hmm. where, where we, we look at them and say, well, you know, you, you know hey, man, you know, you, you got to, huh. God is sovereign and, you know, I, I, we got all kind of stuff. Hey, you know man, what I'm saying? Yeah. Got soccer. Kids got soccer every People Monday. People got to get their laundry done. You know man. what I'm saying? I can't take this on. Yeah, and, 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 apathy is the worst insult. It yes. is the worst, worst insult. And it never, it never crosses our mind. That if I am putting my child, there's a Somalian poet from um, from uh, Great Britain who had this this uh, this quote. I write about it in my book, where she where she essentially in this poem she says that that you put your child in the boat if you feel like the ocean is safer than land. Right. <laughs> that thought does not resonate with us. Why are they fleeing? We see the same thing right now with Afghanistan. With Afghanistan, what what, what do you are think is happening? Falling off of planes. In if the you sky. got you got people that are that are saying, "I'm going to spend 19 years in my drawers for my people." Right. There's no question about their love for for for, for Cuba. Right. There's no question about your love for Puerto Rico. There's no question about your love for Hawaii. There's no question. Yeah. But we still look at them and see them as irresponsible. They need to figure out their own issues. And, and I don't really don't have this capacity and the space to really give my, my heart. And that is ah biblical, bro. Mm. And sometimes anti-biblical. So what, what I, 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 I'm, I'm going to bounce past. I'm, I'm so sorry no, for, no, for going this tirade, no. go, go on this, uh, this rant. No, go ahead. But, bro, it, it, it just is symptomatic that a part of what I believe that we ought to do, if we were to even see ways in which we can empower our Cuban or our Afghanistan or our Haitian brothers and sisters or our Mexican mm -hmm. brothers and sisters, so on and so forth, if we're even to even have solutions that emerge to support them, we got some culturing of our heart that needs to be done. We got some deconstructing of our attitude, our pathos, our, our right, right. towards these individuals. because. Apathy is easy. You know, I got my own problems is easy. Love is not. Mm -hmm. But God's going to hold us responsible regardless, especially for your neighbors. Right. Which should not be a difficult question. Your neighbor's the person talking to you about the need. Right. We got people in the audience 
that are protected by Taka. Right. Why would you not? Like Job, at the, at the end of Job, said that if I did not take my vote and go to the people who had power and advocate for those who are the orphans and the widows, Lord, if I didn't do that, Man, let, my let my arm yeah, fall out my, my shoulder, shoulder blade. blade. Just fall off. Right. Come on, bro. Yep. Go ahead. Go ahead, that, Alex. That, that, uh, that, that uh, Somalian poem almost made me cry uh, because that's Cuba's story, the water. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. My mom came on a boat. Mm. And she came in the Mariel and she left. She was, I think, nine years old. And when she got here, you know, she was covered in vomit and freaking two feet of water at the wow. boat floor because it was just a crazy trip. Um, and all she had was Salvation Army clothes that they gave to her. And she stayed in a mosquito tent when she got here. And it was crazy. The, the, the sacrifices that people made. I had a friend of mine who was put on a boat at 29 days. Mom wow. put him on a boat at 20, on a raft, not even a boat, a raft. Uh, 29 days to get out of Cuba, and, and he's he's actually a boxer. <laughs> Beautiful. But um, the 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 idea that uh, the water is safer than land—that is the story of Cuba, and, wow. and the fact that all of these yachts, which all of these people who um, talk so endearingly about Cuba and go on their little tourist trips, they're just they're 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 floating over a graveyard mm. of people who have who have had to. You know, you have ten people in a in a raft, and and you're losing water. So once somebody has to decide who's gonna go over. You know, are we gonna are we gonna you know we can't we can't have him go over because he has a future. You know what? I'm old enough. I'll I'll you know abandon ship. You know, or people who just didn't make it. They got swept by a wave and died, or got eaten by sharks, or what have you. That's the story. So when people say all this stuff about this and the embargo and all the people who left Cuba were just a bunch of, you know, it's hard not to curse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, I, you know, it, yeah. it's, and and what you were saying there you cuss. about Kevin DeYoung, um, that sounds a lot to me like what we've witnessed. I, I've never been called um, a liberal in my life. I'm the most anti-communist, yeah. Marxist person in the world. <laughs> it wasn't until I think uh, Trump where any sort of dissent from Trumpian uh, beliefs made you not only um, wrong, but a, a liberal, you know, snowflake. And it's like, wait, how have we gotten to this point where any dissent, that sounds familiar, by the yeah, way, right, right. Where any, any dissent is, is, is immediately vilified. And what I've noticed, and maybe this just had to be brought out uh, through Trump's presidency that I maybe I didn't notice it as much before, is just how American most people's Christianity is. Oh, yep, you know, yep. It's the majority of it is a lot of these ideals that people hold um, their idea of individualism and property are nowhere in scripture. Mm, right. Mm. That is not the culture in which the early church lived. Sure. Um, those are American ideals. Mm -hmm. and not all American ideals are wrong. Right. Yeah. But they must be subject to scriptural authority. Yeah, right. Bro. They yeah. must be. Yeah. And, and I don't think they are. I think they're held in equal authority by many. Yeah. Right. Um, wow. And we've seen that mainly with the really intense patriotism the vaccine and mask wearing responses, you know, people were very against mask wearing and it's like, look, I understand I'm all for not infringing on liberty. Remember Cuban anti-communist, like remember, hello. Um, but as a Christian, that doesn't come from your Christian worldview. Sure. Just admit it. Just, let's, let's, can we at least just say that? Yeah. Right. It's an American ideal of yours. You want your private liberty. God isn't on his throne. Like, don't you put that mask yeah. on. Do yeah. you? That's, but that's a Western liberalism idea. Don't yeah. make it a crit because your Christian worldview would have you sacrifice your liberties, lay down your your rights. That's pretty much it. Would have you empty yourself. And that sounds familiar because that's what Christ did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I find, I find what you're, what you're saying to happen a little bit with Cuba. Cubans have a tendency to do that. They, they have a tendency to kind of have, they have, uh, it's a binary thing. You're either mm -hmm. communist 
or anti-Castro. And that's, I think that's that helps was, us. Yeah, that's what I was. I wanted to ask about that because one of the time, like, it's funny because during the height of Trump running, this is Trump wasn't elected yet. He was running for it. So I feel like there's a lot of stuff that happened around Trump actually being president, but we forget that some of the most intense stuff was happening when he was actually the candidate. Yeah. Right. Oh, and yeah. so I remember going to the movie theater um, at the time, tensions were high. Everybody was having, we were all, everybody was having conversations about Trump and, um, uh, and just uh, like nationalism, white supremacy. I mean, tensions were high. And I remember going to the theater and this is, and this is also tensions were high with Christians because we started seeing all of these, all of the evangelicals get behind Trump, right? Mm-hmm. He wasn't elected yet, but we started seeing them justify some of his speech and him saying, mm-hmm. you know, you could punch somebody at, you know, in the, in the, if you punch, if you, if you punch one of the activists in my, uh, at my rally, I'll pay your lawyer fees and all lawyer that stuff. Account. So, so it was a lot of tension. Very Christ-like. Right. I know. <laughs> right. Very, uh, moral majority. That's definitely very religious. So, um, I was at the movie theater and I saw this, this, uh, tall, uh, kid standing, uh, with a Trump shirt on. Uh, and, and I, I was like, oh, okay. He looks like he's Latino. So he had a, this big black and red Trump shirt on. It said Trump, uh, Trump 2016 or something, something. I can't remember how, what it said, but it was this huge Trump shirt. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ask him about it. So I went up to him and I said, Hey man, um, if you don't mind me asking, I see that you have the Trump shirt on. And I was like, if you don't mind, cause he was young, man. I was like, if you don't mind me asking, why are you wearing this shirt? Hmm. Right. And when he, he started talking, first of all, super thick accent. Yeah. I knew he was Cuban. Yeah. And literally I said, I said, uh, he literally said, uh, because Hillary called us a basket of deplorables. And hmm. I said, I was like, so I said, hold on. So you're wearing the Trump, you're, you're all Trump and you're wearing a Trump shirt because of what Hillary Clinton said. (laughs) And then he was like, well, yeah, I mean, I, I I support Trump, but she called us a basket of deplorables. And, uh, but it it was, it was funny because that's all he kept saying. Like I was, he didn't really have another answer. I was like, Hey, uh, okay. But is there more? Is there like more? Yeah. And he kind of didn't didn't have more. Cause I, I, cause I thought, so, cause I was like, in my mindset, I'm like, you obviously are wearing like the the way that people have supported Trump, you know, merch and flags is 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 similar to how uh, Bloods and Crips wear their rags. Sure, it's sure. like I am out here with the red rag on to let you know. Yes, I'm letting you know. Yes, this is where I stand. Everybody yeah. better be on chill mode tonight. Be on chill tonight. If you want smoke, I'm for I'm it. I'm here. So I, I was like, if you're in this public place with this huge Trump shirt on, I'm like, you have to be willing to give an answer. Sure. <laughs> for why you're wearing it or you wouldn't be wearing it. Contend for your... Right, <laughs> yeah, right. So that's why I asked him. But he didn't really have an answer. But what I have noticed is I've noticed that I've had a lot... I've seen a lot of Cubans that are Trump supporters. Um, and not just like... Like not moderate just Trump like supporters. yeah, like I voted for him, but like I just like gung ho. I think about on the corner. I think about I I, I was shocked. Uh, I kind of wasn't shocked, but I was shocked when I saw Jorge Masvidal being a, a popular MMA fighter from uh, East Cuba, Cuba. and uh, from Miami, uh, being this huge Trump supporter. And I was like, ah, he's what does Cuban. that mean? But yeah, so I was like, what does that mean? And uh, you remember a long time ago, I asked you in the in the in the DMs. Right, yeah, yeah, I was like, yo, Alex, explain to me why. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, a lot of Cubans are like Trump supporters or 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 super conservative. 
Um, and so what's behind that in your pretty, opinion? Pretty simple. You have um, one, you have a Cuban population that isn't, they aren't political scientists. They are, <laughs> they are, they watch news and right. what the news positions to them. They might be prone to believe certain things, but it, that's, that's, that's a little more of like a demeaning that that's not everybody. Right. What really it is, it's a, it's a longstanding interaction with Democrats. That's been negative. Mm. So the Bay of Pigs, you have John F. Kennedy uh, withholding air support yep. for the Bay of Pig soldiers. Kennedy was in a tough position. What do you want him to do? You know, it's like, you, you know, he, he was, you know, in the middle of a cold war. Right. It's a, it's tough. What do you, you know, you, if you fund and support a Cuban American led um, invasion that looks really bad. So he didn't know what to do. Right. So he decided, you know what? Just gonna pull the airstrike at the last at the last second, leave him kind of stranded. So Cubans were mad at him, naturally. Yeah. Then you have Bill Clinton with the Brothers to the Rescue missions. You had these uh, peaceful planes that were trying to help um, rafters, and they were shot down. Mm -hmm. um, but the, uh, Bill Clinton didn't do anything about it. You had Bill Clinton residing over the deportation of Elian Gonzalez. Mm -hmm. And then you have Barack Obama with the normalizing the relations, which turned out to be very disadvantageous for America and for Cubans on the island. Wow. Turned out to be something that, I mean, they kind of finessed Obama, honestly. I was I was giving it a shot because I'm like, you know what? He's trying, to, he's trying to take a step without just totally lifting the embargo. Right. But it, it, it was very one-sided. Cuba was taking and not giving anything. They, no business could go and open there. Right. But they were, they could take all the tourist money from Americans. So all throughout history, there's been a uh, negative interaction with democratic policy. Don't get me wrong. It's also been with Republicans, but right. we have selective memory. And then yeah. Bernie Sanders. Yeah, because uh, they, they, uh, there's some cats on the left playing AOC. real nice with some socialism. Exactly. AOC, so so yep. they're mm -hmm. they're taking the AOCs and mm -hmm. they're 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 even in even in the, on the left they're radicals. You right. Know I mean? Right. People people yeah, on the Biden, left. Biden's been distancing himself. He said, "Hey, man, hey, it's me, man. It's me, baby. It's, it's me, baby. It's me, baby. It's, it's baby. Y'all know what it is. It's Biden. It's hey, hey, come on, come on, come on. I, I didn't run on. I didn't run on no AOC. I ain't no Bernie, baby. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. You know what it is, baby. Come on. Uncle Bernie here, baby. Come on, baby. What you talking to like? Yeah, baby, come on, I bought Uncle Obama through. Yeah, come on, come on man. You I was seen me in the shade in the aviator glasses. Yeah, you saw me. <laughs> that was me, baby. It's me. Come on, man. Come on, baby. I cannot do Uncle say, Joe like this. I cannot say how much I wish he spoke like that. <laughs> come on, man. Oh, come my on. gosh. Yeah, so that, that's basically it. It's a longstanding history. Right. and you Oh, have, I can feel that. And then yeah. a growing uh, kind of popularity of like really far left politicians right, yeah, has right. made the cube the average cuban think that anything left wing is socialist right and they've always thought that they've always been afraid of that and now i think their fear is slightly more justified because uh -huh. you do see more popular figures in our government promoting that right um and trump also appealed to this community went to miami met with cuban dissidents met with former cuban political prisoners mm -hmm. something obama didn't really do he met with right. some but um i almost called trump fidel i'm never <laughs> gonna do that because i'm not that reactionary right right yeah, right you know, that was a psychopath trump, right. trump's just a narcissist but yeah yeah it's trump, different it's trump different met, yeah there's differences trump met with people that um the community are popular in the community. Mm. So he, he won, he won the people and, you know, right wing uh, platforms and some of the things he said tends to align a little better with the Cuban exile uh, sentimentality. Sure. Um, so I, I think that's a good way to basically summarize. When you think about the history of what has happened in and with Cuba and I, and, and I get here and I hear some of the rhetoric that comes out of the left, yes. I'm going to be like, ah, uh, this sounds like what Who's I actually the other side? was was escaping. Yes, sounds familiar. This, this, yeah, yeah, this 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 sounds like, and, and and if you guys put this into action, it sounds like what will happen where I am is what is happening where I came from. See, and I think that this that it's <laughs> right? to that history is complicated stuff because yeah. if you look at capitalism, 
right? Mm-hmm. And you you see how capitalism can devolve into fascism. And right. you look at some of these very right-wing conservative dictators. Yeah, like in Africa. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, right, right. Oh, oh my gosh. It's yeah. crazy. All through Africa. Because when you hear about dictators, in... you never hear about them being right-wing. But you never sure. hear capitalist dictatorships. Or right. Germany. No, he, nobody trying to claim Hitler for, for the rights. <laughs> right, you know what right, I'm saying? Right. You know, Hitler, Hitler was, 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 uh, was pro-life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hitler was, was, was very in much. Some, in some respect. It, oh yeah! Oh wow! Because he was definitely in the America. No, 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 no. <laughs> no I, know, I, I know what you're saying. I know Thank you for saying. correcting that. I'm using the cultural phrase pro-life because folks say that they're pro-life ain't pro-life either. Right. 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 Isolate that yeah. clip and say KB is <laughs> exactly. And then it, it, it pauses on my face. Right. right. And then it, mm, music starts playing. This is KB <laughs> saying that Hitler was pro-life hey, after he clearly killed 20 million people. <laughs> um. I no, but, but Hitler, my, I gotta look I, out for my boy. Let me say it like this: Hitler was anti-abortion, right? Right. Put it that way. He would basically parrot many of the conservative talking points of, of today. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- not to say that 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 the Republican Party or the right wing is essentially the 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 seed of Hitler, but we're just saying everybody's economic structure has bodies in the backyard, bro. Right, right, right. There's bodies behind the bus of everybody's econ- economic stru- Every structure. One. Everybody's governmental right. structure. Your d- democracy, we can talk about voting and rights and land ownership and all that stuff, but there are people that have that were there at the same time. Right. They had a very different story of how things were, were, were happening. I was thinking about... Um, so true. Just like how we did with Hawaii, we uh-huh. found this island in the middle of the ocean and said, it'd be great to have a military presence here. Hold up. They said, hey, so guys, we all ought to leave. <laughs> we live here. This is our island. Our family's here. Say, it ain't nothing but 2,000 of y'all. We're going to get some boats <laughs> together and get, dog, America does this all, all the time. <laughs> right. So it, everybody hey, it's a nice has island skeletons. you got there. That's right. It'll, It'll be, be a shame, shame if somebody planted a military base That's on right. <laughs> yeah, it's the he- hegemonic history of the U.S. and, and, right. and their intervention. Facts. Way before Fidel, U.S. had a very interventionist uh, parts uh, involvement in Cuba, and so that uh, mm-hmm. I'm one of the few Cubans who is who will literally fight a communist. And at the same time, um, I'm 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 pretty open to recognizing America's negative involvement in the sure. war. Right, right, which right. Is, I'm not I'm not popular. I'm not, I mean I'm popular, but I mean it's not it's not a popular sentiment amongst really anti. Mm-hmm. It's usually the people who recognize the complexities of history for some reason tend to go too far and <laughs> and be socialists like right. they, and even Cubans sure. and be supportive and. Um, and I think that the scripture in a lot of ways is a good example of a historical work that does not romanticize his characters. Oh, right, my God. Right. It does, yeah. it does not romanticize his side. Amen. Even Amen. the church, bro. This, after the inauguration of the church, you hop into 1 Corinthians. Right. And, and find stuff is already mess. going right. Yeah. What are you guys doing? Exactly. Right. Right. It was like, not in the book. Right. Why not omit that part? Yeah. Just right. put the part about people getting saved and healed. Yeah, 3,000 <laughs> getting added to That's the church right. daily. Why yeah. are you no. also adding the fact that you got deacons in here sleeping with their mother-in-law? You right. know what I'm saying? So, I mean, there's all this kind of um, there are all there's there's this this kind of wanting to romanticize and sort of retell what happened in the past to make it seem like this has always been right. This has always been the way of doing things. This is what we keep running into. So I do think in some ways I would hope that we are a generation that is finally willing to be honest about everything. Mm. Right. And if we're not honest about capitalism and its shortcomings. Right. Without honest about Black Lives Matter, we cannot romanticize either side. And I, I, I feel in, instructed by Scripture 
that if we do not lay the sins on the table, if we're kind of if we're kind of trying to still do this PR thing mm-hmm. that that begins to the live in delusion, we will just repeat the mistakes of our forefathers. A friend of mine told me tyranny is the abandonment of nuance. Ooh. Oh yes, you know, and then on it's either side, on either side, and then a friend of mine asked me once, he's like, "What, what is your, like you say socialism, but what about all these capitalist dictatorships? And what about?" And I'm like, "Look, I'm not saying socialism." Um, is equal to a dictatorship. What I'm saying is socialism was the means for they'll use to uh, rule in a totalitarian fashion. So it's relevant. Mm -hmm. Just like he was bringing up capitalist dictatorships. I'm like, well, um, you're bringing up capitalism as a means somebody used. Right. Yes. And so it's relevant, it's, a cover. To the, it's relevant to say socialism destroyed Cuba. Right. It's a true statement, even if socialism, the socialism we're talking about was a weaponized socialism. Right, right. Yeah. But it's still relevant to yeah. say. Right. So that doesn't mean that the socialism in Norway is of the same quality. <laughs> sure, sure, exactly. sure. Yeah, yeah. It, that, that requires critical thinking, um, which I think is, is in short supply, mostly because our entire news and everything is really meant at reactions. Right, sure, so right. Click share before reading the article. Right, right, right. Um, but like you were saying, it, that's powerful. Being able to to, to sift through that for, for what's really being said and history and looking at history as a complicated um, scholarly pursuit allows you to pull out the nuance. But then there's some things that you're like, all right, clearly this Hitler bad, clearly this. You right. know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, stuff yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. So true. I, I want to uh, end with this. Um, first of all, I just want to say thank you again, yeah, Alex, for coming you. and sharing, thank man. You. Please thank you check guys. out the the project that we will have uh, linked to. here mm-hmm. in um, in the description. I think that one of the things that we try to fight for on Southside Rabbi is precisely what you hinted in in that quote, that we have to give ourselves the nuance. Right. Nuance and the, 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 the intersections and the crosshairs and the, the weighing matters, mm. right, is a Christian, it should be a Christian discipline. <laughs> right. It should be a Christian discipline. And those that have seen the most fruit in history have done that well, man. Right. Mm. Jesus had a chance to align his thing with two political sides. He had the Pharisees, he had the Sadducees. <laughs> right. He can go left, he can go right, he can go liberal or conservative. He had all these opportunities where people showed up and said, can we appropriate you to our thing? <laughs> Every time Jesus said, there's some things you say that are right, even the Pharisees, mm-hmm. who Jesus had a a serious issue with. I mean, you talked about time. him all the time. Like Jesus, you talking about anything else? Trying to kill him too. And, 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 and Jesus had to escape. And if we forget, uh, okay, crucifixion was state-sponsored violence. I get you, touche. However, it was not Pilate that wanted to kill Jesus. Pilate was like, man, I, I don't know. I don't know. Let this yeah. man. I'm gonna let him go. Wait, we are gonna hit him on the on the, on right, the wrist, right? Right. And let and him the Pharisees, go. And the Pharisees, the Pharisees found Pharisees genius said, ways no. to do it. And the Pharisees found genius ways to do it. it. Was hey, he's actually he's actually dishonoring Caesar, guys. There you go. Look at it. Cause, cause I know you guys are not mm. gonna take it from us if we just say he's dishonoring our religion. You guys right, don't right, care right. about that. Right, right. You do care about mm. Caesar. Yes. So they, he's calling himself king of the Jews. I thought that y'all said Caesar was the king. That's what I heard. So even though y'all are, think he, that that your God is king, but but here's the, right? here's the thing, bro. They organized it. They orchestrated his death. The, right. the, the religious elite. Right. Establishment. The religious establishment. But Jesus never lends himself wholly. To anybody. Right. He's, he's, he's always saying, I'm above this. I'm not right. I'm not left. I'm up. <laughs> and I'm going to find interactions with, with, with either side. This is who Jesus is. And, I'm, and I want to end by pointing out something that Amin actually brought to me because he actually has read Pedagogy of the Oppressed. Um, I've only read sections of it. Uh, but in, in his book, Pablo Ferrari, ta- Ferrari talks about 
how when you are oppressed and you're able to achieve liberation, right? When you, when you get to the point where you say, we're free now, the boot is no longer on our neck. Then there's a whole set of disciplines that you have to implore to make sure that you don't then turn around and then oppress those who right. oppressed you. Which is what God said to the children of Israel. Yes, don't turn around and treat the foreigners. Hey, remember, you guys came. Remember, I freed you. Remember, I freed you out of land. You're an ex. You 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 were a slave, bro. Remember. You That's were. why he says to them over and over again. Remember, I freed <laughs> you out of the land of Egypt. Remember, I because I know that the temptation for you guys is going to be to get this freedom, get here, and then start. Feeling yourself mm-hmm. yes. and, then, and then doing and then enslaving others yes. like you were enslaved yes. and then forgetting that remember I delivered you I'm the one that delivered Absolutely. you out of Egypt mm. remember you guys were crying out yes. for years and I came and I delivered so yeah the that's essence. the human that's the human heart that's yes, what it does abuse becomes the abuser the yes. abusers the essence of disobedience is forgetfulness man mm. and when we think about that in context yeah. of history bro that this is where we keep landing bro. And the heart of the heart of man's problems is still the heart of man. And I want with all my might to be talking to both sides. I want to talk to the, the institutions that man built, the builds, the ideas that man have. I want to critique them. I want to reform them. I want to see them reflect the kingdom. That's my obligation as a Christian. Amen. Yet I'm also thinking about man's heart. Right. I want to see man's heart touched by the gospel of Jesus Christ because those things working in tandem, the external institutions and ideas that come from out of man's heart and man's heart itself, which the other side, both of those are on the, on the table for us because when we are able to tend to both of them well, then we cannot repeat what we've went through. You feel me? Hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that by God's grace, this conversation with Alex as us, us thinking about how there's this, these connections, man, from Cuba to Alaska to Afghanistan to all over, that it's the same story being told over and over and over mm. again. Will we not answer it with maybe for the first time a revolution that is nuanced, that mm-hmm. is honest, mm-hmm. that aims at the heart and the institution? Mm. By God's grace, I, I hope that we, we, we begin to see some of that come to fruition man mm-hmm. this has been Southside Rabbi thank you so much to Alex, thank you, Alex. Thank my you name guys. is KB I mean the dream I mean the dream we'll catch y'all next time peace